We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, 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 and a pleasant good afternoon to everyone out there in Irish Breakdown land. I am Vince D'Addario. I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. That guy is Brian Driscoll. He's the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. And we are here to discuss the final piece of the coaching puzzle because Brian did just say that Al Goldman (laughs) is the new DC officially. Um, (laughs) And we're going to talk about that, Brian. Well, not officially that Notre Dame hasn't announced it and you know they're working out a contract and all that but he's accepted the job and he will be the next defensive coordinator right. at Notre Dame. so as we always do when a coach is named or a recruit commits to Notre Dame we jump into the backstory and all of that so Brian I will throw the ball over to you into your court please give us the bat the official backstory that you uh I gave it on the premium message board I do believe or at least a lot right. of it um put this up so if you're a, so yeah. if you're a member of the premium message board you already know this information most but, of it uh, yeah yeah but yeah so but Brian, I did want to share it here too please yeah. please so, do so I'm gonna and I'm gonna go all the way to the back of this D coordinator search so one of the things that Marcus Freeman put a premium on very early was he wanted some experience it wasn't a must like he didn't like put himself in this box where he had to hire right. an older coach with experience, right? He didn't do that, which is smart because you don't want to put yourself in that kind of box. But what what he did kind of look for is if if ideally, if all things being equal, he wanted someone with an experience. So early on in the process, I had said, look, Al Golden's just not a name I've heard a whole lot at the time. And what I have found out since then is because Al Golden was very focused on his season and wasn't really hearing it from, you know, I mean, he wasn't really spending too much time talking to coaches and college coaches. Like he was really locked in on his season. And so that just wasn't a name that, that I had really heard from anybody right. that was in, in for the job. And so early on, Marcus Freeman kind of looked at John Heacock. Now that, that part was interesting because it got reported by, a. <laughs> I don't get into that. It got reported by someone. <laughs> that Notre Dame was working on a contract with John Heacock. It never got to that point because from the beginning, when they started talking about, because what you do is when you talk to candidates, when you have candidates as you like, you, you start talking to them about, you know, what would it take to get you here? 
You don't do that. If you're smart, you don't do that. There's just one guy. And Heacock, I think, was the guy at the top of the list at the time. And and because he had been a head coach. He was a head coach for like nine years at Youngstown State. He had been at Ohio State. He'd been he was an experienced coordinator. And so that was kind of the the guy that Freeman first kind of started to zero in on. Well, the conversation never got super, super far because, and this is what we reported at the time, while others were saying, you know, it looked like they were working out a contract. We were like, not so fast. Right. Because it never got passed because Heacock was insistent from day one that I want to have a big say in the staff, I want to bring some of my own guys. And Marcus Freeman was insisting that that's not happening. And so it never got to the point of working out a contract, Right. And right. so because Marcus Freeman, again, he was not going to be put into a box. He he knew exactly what he was looking for, and he knew exactly kind of what uh, the new coach was going to have to kind of buy into. So quickly moved on from John Heacock, and as we reported, there became the finalists became Doug Belk, Joe Rossi, Tim LaCuba, who's the uh, – Joe Rossi's in Minnesota. Tim LaCuba is, um, is the – DC at Boston College and Doug Belk's the defensive coordinator at Houston. And so uh, those are, and then Al Golden. That's when Al Golden's name started to ramp up a little bit. And there started to be a little bit more conversation between, you know, sort of his, you know, people in in Notre Dame. And and obviously that was a guy that Marcus Freeman, you know, pretty quickly, pretty quickly went to, um, you know, went to sort of, hey, look, this is, this is kind of the where we're at with this, right? And liked a lot of what he heard, but he also liked Doug Belt and Joe Ross and those kind of guys. But I think Golden's experience was something that that Freeman really liked. And there was reports that Doug Belk was the leading candidate. That wasn't wasn't true. I remember when I first heard that, I reached out to my sources, and not only did they say no, they laughed at at me when I said that. Like they didn't laugh at me because I didn't say it. I said, hey, <laughs> right. it's being reported that Doug Belch, you're, you know, you're the top guy for you guys. And it's just kind of like <laughs> and then they hung you up know, on you okay. and they're no longer yeah. sourced. It's not no, no, <laughs> not, not not true. But it's just kind of like because again, it wasn't my intel. It right. was, hey man, this is what I'm hearing. Uh, what's the deal? I was like, no. And then pretty soon after that, Golden's name kind of became more and more prominent in the conversations. Now, the reason it waited this long is not because, as I've said before, it's not because Al Golden had been offered and accepted the job, but he didn't want it out there until after the season. He didn't want to decide until after the season. And so he was never formally offered the job, but here's where it gets a little bit interesting. So he was actually on campus. I got word actually on Sunday night that he was at Notre Dame last Sunday, meaning the week before the Super Bowl. Right. He was at Notre Dame and he sat down with Coach Freeman and they spent a lot of time just talking football, just, you know, kind of going over just I mean, not specifics of like football, like, okay, this is the defense you're going to run. But just trying to really get inside this guy's head. What does he do? Who is he? You know, what makes him tick? That kind of stuff. That was what Marcus Freeman was looking for. And then there was obviously some conversations about football that they had had throughout the time. So when he left that conversation, that meeting it was very clear who Marcus Freeman's number one guy was at that. I mean, he was not offered the job though. It was solidified. He was not formally offered the job. Now, what were there discussions about you're my guy? I believe there were, I don't know that for a hundred percent fact, but I believe there were, you know, and like the, what would it take to get you here financially? Like those conversations. I don't know if, yeah, but I don't know if that was the main focus of it. I'm not saying main, but I'm just saying those conversations, but it was, it, you know, so, so they, they had that, they went to that and then 
so they talked a couple more times during the week, but like obviously once they got into practice, it was it was Marcus Freeman left him alone and and didn't talk to him from the days leading up a couple days leading up to Super Bowl and then obviously Super Bowl. So then I got word was it Monday morning that Marcus Coach Freeman and Coach Golden were supposed to talk that afternoon when Coach Golden got back from the Super Bowl. It what I my my understanding is when I'm told it's that is sort of it was in those conversations and the follow up conversations where Al Golden was offered the job, and he has verbally accepted it. And obviously they're working out a deal. I don't expect it's like same thing working out a deal like Harry Heastan had to work out a deal like Jared Parker had to work out a deal like it's a done deal. It's just working out the particulars. And when I say that is you don't accept the job to your point, Vince, without saying having some idea of what the Right, the particulars of the contract are going to look like right. It's not like length, I accepted the job. Wait a minute, you're yeah. going to pay me that? I had no idea. That's not how right. It works. Right. So right. you know, he he he. That's kind of that was kind of how it all went down. So this was not a situation where, and look, here's the thing too that people have to understand. The reason Marcus Freeman was not in in a hurry is not specifically for Al Golden. It's just that he was not going to be, he was not going to be forced into an arbitrary timeline that fits the normal college hiring process, right? Because he knew there were several NFL coaches that were interested in the job, several, and he knew that look, if if you're a college guy and you need to be hired now and you've got to do this and you're not willing to wait, that's fine. It's just, it's not really. That's fine. You can do that and be where you need to be. I'm, I'm on a different timeline. Right, and his priority was obviously the bowl game. Then it was deciding, okay, which direction we're going to go. Then it was recruiting, and then it became all the other assistant coaching hires. And then the final one was, you know, because I kept asking, like, okay, is this really a situation where you know who you want, but you just have to wait? And I was told time and time again that that no, I, I I know who I like, meaning the list of guys. But I'm just not prioritizing that right now. And he was doing his homework. Coach Freeman was doing his homework on all these guys in different ways, too. And it's not just those kind of – a hire like this is going to require you're, – you're calling people that know people. You're calling Absolutely. former players. You're doing all that kind of stuff. And I think that was one of the things that sold Marcus Freeman on Al Golden is – I think Al Golden, the story about him is a lot – is very similar to what Marcus Freeman believes in believes in fundamentals, believes in playing the right way, believes in making complex things simple, right? Which is something that Bengals players have been saying about Al Golden for weeks. And and he's it's about relationships. It's about, you know, he has a reputation as a, a guy that the players love and players respect. He's a guy that had a reputation for a long time as an excellent recruiter. Yep. He signed two five-star linebackers in one class of Virginia back in the day, Ahmed Brooks and Kai Parham. So uh, he checked all the boxes. Plus, I do believe that one of the final pieces was this is a guy that was a Division One head football coach for ten years, and and had some levels of success. You know, everybody talks about how he was a failure. My he had a winning record at Miami. He wasn't a dumpster fire. And Miami got sanctions placed on them like as soon as he got hired because of what happened that before. Happened before. Right. right. So he but, had handcuffs based on the staff that was there before him. Right. And I don't think Miami was a great fit for him. In my opinion, I, I I don't think that's a job he should have took anyway. Miami's been a dumpster fire for a long time. But anyway, uh, and, and so that that kind of 
you know, I think tainted some people's views of him, but he was considered a star, a rising star in the business. And and I was actually told that he was considered uh, for the Notre Dame job twice. I was told he was a guy that they kind of thought about in 05 when Charlie got hired, but he was still a D coordinator, never been a head coach. So that kind of went a different direction. And then the other one was because was when when Charlie left, he was the guy that was vetted, you know, when he was at Temple. But obviously, they, you know, Brian Kelly at the time was a, a better hire. I mean, just as head coach, Brian Kelly was the better hire because of the success Brian Kelly had. But you know, people forget Al Golden took over a Cincinnati team that was that was, I mean, not a, a Temple team that was awful. Right. Like we remember Temple for like what you know what we saw with Matt Rule and guys like that, but what you got to remember is Matt Rule benefited from what Al Golden built. They were <laughs> they were bad for a long time. I mean, a really long time. And I believe their record. I'm looking up their record now. I believe it was something like 17 and 42 in his in the in the five years before he got there. Well, yeah, 15 and 42. In the Stop five it. years before he got there, and then he led them to a, their first bowl game in his in his third or fourth year. He led them to a bowl game for the first time since 1979, and then in his second year in 2009, he led them to an eight and four record. They didn't make a bowl game, but they went eight and four. And and so then he left to go to Miami, and um, and obviously went 32 and 25, and basically like four and a half seasons at Miami. So and then and he spent three years with the. Detroit Lions, and then the last two years with uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals. So that's the uh, that's, that's the, the sort of the backstory on how that whole thing went down. And we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And obviously, you know, the success of the Bengals this year, Vince, is, is going to – I mean, we're already hearing it from recruits. You know, it's like, hey. Right. Well, I mean, he was just in know. the Super Bowl. I mean, that's – Right. You know, one of the big things that – and granted, you're, you're talking about multi-Super Bowl winner, but one of the things mm-hmm. that made Charlie White such a good recruiter is Super Bowls. I mean, right. you know, bottom line, right? And, right? and Al Golden can say a lot of the, hey, I know what it takes to get to the league. I've been at the highest level, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, it, it speaks for itself. So, Yeah, I mean, and he was in the NFL for, what, six years? So I'm yeah. looking at two, two, uh, four years of the Lions, two years of the Bengals. You know, he was in the playoffs. He, he was in the playoffs with the Lions. They went nine and seven the first two years he was there. You know, and then obviously 
Jim Caldwell gets fired, which the Lions still have to be kicking themselves for that one. But, uh, uh, you know, I mean, get into that another day. But uh, can you can you because uh, there's some there's there was one comment in here I wanted to bring up from John. And he, he says, why would Al Golden leave the Cincinnati Bengals who were just in the Super Bowl a couple days? It's a fair ago? question. Yeah, I think it's a fair question. But I, I mean, think it, Al Gold. No, it's a fair question. It, yeah, number it's one, promotion, it's, it's, he's getting a promotion, right? Yeah. to defensive coordinator. I think Al Golden has always kind of had his eye on. I'd like to get back into college if it's the right fit. And that's why you make this kind of move. And let's be honest. I mean, what has the last three defensive coordinators at Notre Dame gone on to? Pretty pretty good jobs, right? Like, you know, Clark Lee's the head coach in the SEC, Marcus Freeman's and now the head coach at Notre Dame. And Mike Elko went from Notre Dame to Texas A&M now to the, be the head coach of Duke. So, and, and here's another thing. So I actually had a chance to meet Coach Golden back in the early 2000s. So he was at Virginia from 01 to 05. And I was at Christopher Newport, Virginia, 04 and 05. We've had plenty of run-ins on the recruiting trail. And I was recruiting Virginia even before he got there. And, and he had a very strong reputation as a recruiter back then. Very strong reputation. I mean, from New Jersey down to the Carolinas, he's going to be a known commodity, right, with a lot of coaches and things like that. And and was known as a, him and Mike London did some really good things on the recruiting trail for Virginia back then. But also, really nice guy. I mean, I've met him several times. Never big timed me or you know other people. He was just a real polite and good guy. And Vince, you know, I've met a lot of coaches that are you know D1 now not, that were not good guys, first rate a holes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyone yeah. want to know what why I go like this anytime? And anyone ever says Bill O'Brien's name? <laughs> so, um, but so no, I think that's a fair question. But I think this is an opportunity to get back into college game. And and to put yourself in a position to run a defense, and then put yourself in a position to be head coach again. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. So let's let's kind of transition to what this means for Notre Dame. Uh, you know, from an Al Golden standpoint, this is he's the final piece of the puzzle from a coaching you know higher standpoint, right? And and now we can actually say we know what the coaching staff is going to look like. A lot of people are asking about you know scheme and all of those things, and I think you touched on that. A little bit when we were talking about the backstory, Marcus Freeman's not looking for somebody to reinvent the wheel defensively, right. and, and I and I think that that's that's uh, important to bring up, right? I mean, and and Rob, for example, says, "Hey guys, love what you do." Question: What difference uh, to the defense, if any, will Al Golden bring? And so I think that's a good question. I, I think schematically, we're going to see uh, multiple defense, a lot like what we've seen. I don't think. The way it looks on TV is going to look a whole lot different to you and how they line up. I think which is part of the reason Marcus Freeman was attracted to an NFL coach. And the reason for that is in the NFL today, in today's game, you just can't line up in a 4-3 defense and play 4-3 first, second, and third down against every team. There's so much spread out. There's so much pass game. There's so much, you know, we've talked about this before. There's so much situational football that you have to exactly. be – you know, like I was talking about this in one of my breakdowns, where you know when I'm when I'm watching when I'm watching Cincinnati, I'm watching them against Tennessee, and they're in a pure three four defense. I'm like, oh, that looks familiar. That's what he ran at Temple, and that's what he ran at Virginia, and they were a four down team at Miami. And then like th- then I watch them against the Chiefs, and they're literally lined up in a four two five nickel the whole you know the, most of the game. I mean, you saw in the Super Bowl they were a four down team. You know, played a lot of nickel defense. So, I mean, they could go from one thing to another from week to week, snap to snap, series to series. 
I think market coach Freeman likes that, that multiplicity that, you know, that, that multiplicity within the scheme. I think coach Freeman is going to be adamant that, that, that coach golden adopt a lot of the things that they've done terminology wise, and terminology, then you allow him sure, to, yeah. right. And then you'll allow him to adapt it to the things he does. I mean, you don't hire a guy like this if you're not right. going to trust him to run the defense. Right. I mean, now there's going to be certain philosophical things that coach Freeman is going to believe in. You know, I like man coverage. I want to be aggressive. We want to let guys just run and play. And I think that's something where Al Golden fits. And, you know, you listen to him. I've listened to several interviews he's done, you know, in the last five, six months. And he's a big believer in you've got to make complex things simple. You just can't line up and do the same thing every day, right? You, you just can't do that. You'll get beat by the better teams. You also can't be so overly complex that your guys don't know what the heck they're doing, which we've seen. Exactly. The, we've seen yeah, both we've of seen those that. mistakes done at Notre yeah. Dame. Because I think Bob Diaco going into the the championship game against Bama, it was just like, you're just going to line up and do what you do. You can't do that against Bama. <clears throat> and then obviously Al Golden's talked a lot about, you know, and, and his players have talked a lot about, like he makes things really easy to understand, really easy to grasp. And, you know, we saw in the Super Bowl, his linebackers played really well. Oh my gosh. I and mean, they were just always in position and just really just, there was a play where they're, they're running like action to the left and Logan Wilson's just zeroed in his key and he sees his key not going hard to the left. So he stays on it and bam, he, he's, you know, right there on the, on, I think it was like a reverse or a, like a, some, some kind of misdirection play. And he was right there all over it. So right. Logan Wilson those, had a great team. Right. I, I'm right. just saying, yeah. And him and Jermaine Pratt were really good all season. So, yeah, I think those are the things you look at and say, that's kind of what I think Marcus Freeman likes. But I also think Marcus Freeman's not going to hire a coach and just say, now do what I want you to do. And, right. and let's be honest, Al Golden has enough opportunities, including staying with the Bengals. He's not coming to Notre Dame if he's not going to have some autonomy. And and this is what I've said all along. There's a lot of people said, you know, Marcus Freeman's looking for someone. He's going to really be the true. No, Marcus Freeman is looking for someone to run the defense. He wants to be the head coach. He wants someone to run the defense. That's partly what took him so long. If he just wanted to, he's going to run it and he's actually going to call the plays or he's going to tell the defense coordinator what to do. He'd have hired a guy a month ago. Right. Right. This if he needed was, a yes man. He could have gotten a yes man easily. Well, and not even a yes man, but more of a, a D coordinator like we see a lot of offense where like a head coach is going to call the plays. Right, and, right, right. You right, know, right. you're hiring a real defensive coordinator, but, you know, he's just putting a game plan together for the head coach. And, and so that's not what he was looking for. He was looking for someone to where he could tr- go run the defense while I go over here and deal with the offense, or I am on recruiting calls, or I'm working with the special teams, or I'm, you know, doing this and, and having that trust to where you, you can know that someone's going to get the job done. Now, will there be certain philosophies that Al Golden have to adopt? Yes, but that's part of the hiring process where right. you're looking for someone who already kind of has that like mind with you. And I think that's what that's what Notre Dame is getting in 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 uh in Al Golden is someone who I think as they've had conversations, there's a lot that Marcus Freeman and Al Golden have in common. So I think that makes the process e- even easier for Notre Dame sure. and for Marcus Freeman and for Al Golden is, you know, if, if you have to if you have to hire someone that has to adopt a lot of the things that, that you want to do, that's not going to make for a great situation. You want to hire someone that's going to uh, is going to kind of we're already sort of on the same page. Right. Right. At, now, let's get to why people are here. What does Brian Driscoll think of this hire? Like, what, what is your opinion <laughs> of bringing in Al Golden and, and everything that went down, the how it went down, all of it. Let's get your opinion on all this. I've actually kind of come a, around a little bit on this one. Yeah, 
I when figured it, as much. Yeah. When it first was when it first he was name was first kind of dropped, I didn't love it because I'll be honest with you, my first thought was Miami. You know, sure. my thought thinking of the Miami situation and how that wasn't a great how that just was a just didn't go well at all. And you know, then you then you look at it and you say, okay, well, he hasn't been a defensive coordinator since 2005. He hasn't called a defense since 2005. You know, I think that's another that's another aspect that just kind. Of, and my initial thoughts were, you know, you know, I don't know about this. You know, and, and then and and then when you look at, um, you kind of look at how it all played out and what I've been able to learn. You know, you look at the NFL background to me is something I valued because, like you said, it's there's a lot of different things is that 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 you have to kind of get into, and there's a lot of different looks. You know, sorry, I'm getting a little distracted here. Got somebody texting me a million things, uh, but there's just a lot. Of, you have to have a lot of you have to have a lot of versatility, a lot of multiplicity. Which for Notre Dame playing the schedule that they play, where it's ACC one week, Big Twelve the next week, SEC the next week, Pac twelve the next week, Navy the next week. You need someone that can be real flexible with how they yeah. go about it. In the NFL, you have to be that way in the NFL. Absolutely. And, and and so I think that kind of attracted me. I think the NFL is going to play up on the recruiting trail. I think when you look at when you look at it, you know, his reputation as a recruiter is strong. You know, the more I learned about, you know, what kind of coach he is in regards to the players love him. They like playing right. for him. He's demanding, but he's also, you know, a great teacher. And I think the fact that he has been a head coach for 10 years and had some success, but also some not success. Absolutely. You can learn from both of those things. Right. Like, you know, hey, look, what what were some things that worked for you? What were some things that if you could go back and do it over again? you would do differently. What are some pitfalls that I need to avoid in my early tenure beyond taking a job at a place where you're going to get put on probation soon after you get hired for stuff you didn't do? You know, uh, I think, I think those are things you can learn from because look, this is a very young coaching staff for the most part. I mean, you have a 29 year old offensive coordinator, your, your receivers coach is 38. Your tight ends coach, I believe is in his thirties. Your your defensive line coach is in his 30s. Your corners yep. coach is in his 30s. Your safeties coach is in his 20s. Your special teams coach is in his 30s. There's your head coach is 35, right? Harry Heastan and Dylan McCullough were the only non 30 year old coaches on the staff, and and I think that 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 doesn't mean that you don't hire someone young if he's the best person for the job. But again, it's one of those, you know, if all things are equal give me someone that's got some experience, especially someone who's experienced as a, as a head coach at, at a big time program and not yeah. just at like temple. I mean, temple that success will matter, but also he's been at Miami. He's, he knows what it's like. It's, it's, you know, I think that's a big part of it. And I think also it, it's, you know, you have a head coach that's going to recruit defense at a high level. Now you have a defensive coordinator with an NFL background that is also known as a great recruiter. Yeah, that's good. Right. I think that could make for a really, really lethal combination. For for me, it is the the thing that stands out the most to me is the fact that he is fifty two. He got his head coaching career started when he was thirty seven, right? And that's that's not old, right? That's that's still a fairly young head coach, well, even if it is what Marcus Freeman is now. And and like you said, it's Temple, and I get that, but you're still in charge of a program, and there's still a lot of that that you have to deal with. And there's more at Notre Dame. I don't want people yelling at me because Notre Dame's not temple. I get that. But to be a head coach, there's just different responsibilities that are on your shoulders. 
And so he has that experience. He has the experience at, at Miami. He has failed. He has succeeded. I think that that is huge. He now has, along with his resume of being in the NFL, of being a good recruiter, he has that because we talked about what we talked about John McNulty kind of being a sounding board for Tommy Reese as an mm-hmm. example. Al Golden to me, and I don't know if this is the way it's going to go, but he's at least a guy you can go to to bounce some things off when it comes to being a head coach. There's when it comes no to- way. There's no way he makes this hire without that being something he's going to absolutely. Make. And to me, that no way. I, I love that part of this hire. Yeah. You, we could talk about X's and O's, and and look, I was we watched the Super Bowl <laughs> together, you and I, and I'm watching the linebackers specifically for Cincinnati, and I was impressed with the way that they played because of the Al Golden connection, right? So X's and O's, okay, that's fine. That's great. I have faith there, but it's all the other intangible stuff. It's the resume that he's built and the manner in which he's built it, I think is a great fit for Marcus Freeman and this defense. Mm -hmm. I I think he just brings a level of maturity and a level of experience and all of that to this staff, and I think it's a a nice mix now of staff. Mm -hmm. If that makes yeah. sense, right? Because they kind of they kind of yeah. lost that guy with Mike Elston. He was kind of right. that, you know, guy that's veteran been around guy, and right. veteran guy. And, and the other guys were young, Mickens, O'Leary, young guys, right. right? And so I really like this hire from that standpoint. Would I have been happy for a younger guy? Sure, but sure. he brings a little bit something extra to the table, and and I dig that. Mm-hmm. Here's something else to consider. People are, you know, somebody just mentioned a question, you know, hopefully they don't bump heads, Brent Byers said, which is a legitimate question. Sure. You got to remember, Al Golden has experience being a defensive coordinator for a defensive-minded head coach. He was Al Groh's defensive coordinator, Virginia. Right. Al Groh had been a head coach in the National Football League. Remember, he had been a head coach for the Jets. He'd been a defensive coordinator in the National Football League. So that's a positive. Like, Al Golden knows what it's what like to work with someone who my head coach has a strong opinions on defense. How can I use that as an asset, right? And how, you know what I mean. That's that's going to be important. Obviously, Al Gold and Marcus Freeman are two completely different people. Sure, but the point remains that you he knows what it's like to be a coordinator for a coach that, like I said, is going to have. And I guarantee you, Al Grow is going to was going to force a lot more things onto Al Gold than Marcus Freeman's going to force on Al Gold. There's a lot of Al's you know, that, around here, right? Right. But but I mean that's 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 not that can't be dismissed. Right. He know he the, his his only stint as a defensive coordinator was working under someone who was a defensive minded coach who had been a head coach in the NFL and a D coordinator in the NFL. So I think that part of it is important right. too. Right. And and I, I just I love this comment right here. I got to find it from M M Kostra. No, uh, he was saying Notre Dame Golden defense has a ring to it because he's what he was saying was he goes anyone bring up the PR dream of a guy named Al Golden <laughs> if he has a lot of success, you know Golden Dome all that kind of stuff. That was used a lot with Golden Tate. That's for sure. You yeah, know? it was. And so sometimes, yeah. sometimes the obvious is right in front of you, and you just got to roll right. with it, man. Yeah. That, that's okay. That's well okay. done, my friend. Yeah, yeah, well done. So I think the other thing too is that that I, and we'll, we'll get. So Sean and I are going to do a show on Saturday. We just talked about this. Well, we're gonna we're gonna kind of look at the new hires, and there's a lot of them, more than we thought they were going to be. Yeah, but look at the new hires and kind of rank them. Top to bottom, bottom to top. We'll probably start with the bottom, work to the top of who has the biggest, like the biggest task and who maybe has the most important job in year one of the v- different coaches. So we'll dive more into the overall look at the staff then. But I, I, it is, it is so impressive how consistent Marcus Freeman has been with his hires. 
in regards to putting a priority on uh, coaches that 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 are known as guys that the players yes. really like and respect. Yep. Not coaches that are soft, not coaches that are – I mean, Dylan McCullough is not a player's coach from the standpoint of he wants to walk in the room and be your buddy and and all that kind of stuff, and he's not going to yell at you. If you make a mistake, he's going to give you a big hug and pat you on the butt Tays okay. That's not what a player's coach truly is. And it, but they're, they're guys that could be demanding. I mean, Harry, he stands as a guy that his players loved him. Right. You know, you, you hear that about Chancey Stuckey already in, in, in a short time, but you, you've heard that a ton about Dylan McCullough. You've heard that about Al Washington. You're hearing that about, you know, Brian Mason. I've heard that about, you're hearing that about, about Al Golden. He clearly put value on, on, and I, I think this might even be like a show topic one of these days. He put a lot of value on coaches that are going to to really care holist about the players holistically. Right. That's the anti Brian Kelly. That's you true. know, the anti Brian Kelly with some of the hires he made over the years. You'll never see a Brian Van Gorder type of person. Forget the bad job that he did. I'm not talking about that. You're never going to have a Brian Van Gorder type of person hired by Marcus Freeman, in my opinion, based on what we've seen from his hires this year. That's so important. I think that's always important. That should always be how coaches are. Like if you're an a and you don't treat your kids right, I don't care how good of a coach you are. Out. You shouldn't. You can't work for me. Yep. But you can be demanding and 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 hold guys accountable and and be be challenging of them and all that. But still, you know, still be a players' coach in that they know you have your a coaches. This is what the offensive line. Hey, yeah, it was hard on me. It was very. It, it was some days where you know you, you hear a, a, a tapestry of of profanity you know thrown at you that you're just like wow that. That that's a lot of curse words in one sentence, but like to the players, it, it, it doesn't bother them because they know right. who cares. They know what's what's behind it, you know. And that's why the defensive players didn't re- react the same way to Brian Van Gorder because they didn't think he gave a crap about him. He didn't, you know. And, and so that's that's something I value, and it's especially true in today's era of of free access transfers. Because if if co- if kids are in a situation, and we've seen this this past year with a lot of kids that left over the last year and a half, if the kids don't think you give a rip about them, they're gone. And sometimes right. during the year, yep. if kids think you have their back, and when you tell them, here's why you're not starting, but you can be this if you keep doing this, kids are more willing to see those things through. If they truly think you care about them, and you're being honest with them, and that you're you're working to build them up, and their time will come. They'll see. They'll stick through that. Notre Dame needs that because Notre Dame's not going to be a team that can just replace eight lost transfers with eight incoming transfers. They can't do it. It's going to be impossible for them to do it. Will be able to do that when they have transfers lost. It needs to be transfers that they're that they're kind of okay losing. You know, they have they're in a really tough situation in that regards, and until some changes are made, so it's imperative. That you're in a situation where you can that you can keep that retention, the, the retention you want, you can keep it high. And to the point where like a George Takis, his initial gut is to come back. And then he ultimately thinks better of it and realizes he's got to go. You're gonna have that from time to time. Sure. But that's a fifth year senior. You can't be having freshmen and sophomores leaving because they're not getting playing time, which right. means you got to recruit the right kind of players. But but also the big thing is, is these kids gotta know that you give a rip about them. Yep. And if they do you know, you'll, you'll see guys stick it out. That's why we didn't have, I mean, why did we not have any, tra- like a lot of transfers from the defensive line the last how, some several years? Why, you know, 
why was that the case, right? I mean, it, you look at it and say that, that there's certain things you can see, like why did no DBs transfer the last two years that Notre Dame wanted you know, that wanted to keep, and we saw a mass exodus from the wide receiver position. Right. There's reasons. I mean, it just is what it is. And and that's I mean, guys will you, stay buried at the tight end depth chart, but not at receiver. You sure. Know? I mean, it's just there's a lot more to it than that. No, you make you make a good point about the the coaching staff and and bringing in certain types of coaches, right? And for me, when I'm looking to hire a coach or when I'm looking to work with a certain kind of a coach, I for for me and you tell me if you're wrong if you were a head coach and you're hiring or you've got input on hiring a coach, I'm hiring the best guy first, and I have confidence that me and my staff can teach them some of the X's and O's and some drills and some things that's going to make them successful and all of that. Now, of course, you have to have knowledge of the sport and all of those things. That mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. But I want good guys on my staff. Like I want good men and good leaders and guys that the kids are going to look up to and know that they've got their back. Like That's the be-all, end-all right. for, for a good coach. Now, if they've got – if they've already got the massive chops already, that's just an added bonus. But I feel like I can teach some of the X's and O kind of stuff to guys and, and get them to where they need to be. But it's all right. about the relationships with the kids. Right. And coincidentally, or not so coincidentally, all these guys that Marcus Freeman's bringing in, they're they're guys that have the players back, et cetera, et cetera. That makes them good recruiters too. Right. Because they're yeah. establishing those relationships well, with all of those guys out on the recruiting trail. And beyond that, it's also those kids are going to hear that when they're on campus visiting. Exactly, yes. They're going to hear that. Now, now, where I'm going to somewhat disagree with you is I, I still feel the number one priority is you got to be a good coach. Right? Like, you could be the greatest guy in the world, but if you can't coach. Well, we've I'm, seen I, we've know. seen some of that as well. I mean, right. I, I mean so right. to me, the, the first thing is give me a group of three or four coaches that I know can do the job at a high level. Sure. That's when those other things come into – to the equation of who you're actually going to pick of that group, right? Like, otherwise, I mean, if it's all about, you know, being a nice guy and all that, then Ty Willingham is still the head coach of Notre Dame, right? I mean, graduated 100% of his players, kids liked him, blah, 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 blah. He's a terrible coach, right? I mean, you still got to be able to coach. But I think for me, I look at it and say, hey, you know, th- this is this is a situation where, Give me, give me, let me find some guys that I think can do the job at a high level and then look at other things like, is he willing to be here? I'm, I'm, I'm told it's, they're working on like a three-year contract. If they can keep him for, you know, for three years would be phenomenal. Oh, and we forgot to mention this. He will also coach the linebackers. That, right. that, that will be the position he's going to coach. We, it's we good forgot fit. To It's a good that. fit there as well. I mean, right. it's, right. you know, part of it. Now, I don't know who like, is there, are they going to have a, I would imagine there's going to have a GA that's going to work with the linebackers. I don't know who that's going to be right now. Cause you know, obviously Nick lazinski has gone. Uh, Mike McCray is gone. He worked with linebackers a little bit last year. So that'll be something that they're going to look for. But uh, you know, I, I think, you know, I, you know, I, I, I like what they've done. I like what they've done. I, I think something else too is, you know, we've seen a lot of NFL influence on the offensive staff. We haven't seen that on in the defensive hires. This is the first one where you look at a guy that's got like an NFL coaching background. And I think that matters to some kids. Sure. And as long yeah. as I can coach in college, you know, but Chancey Stuckey played in the NFL. Harry Heastan coached in the NFL. Uh, Dylan McCullough coached in two of the last three Super Bowls. One, one, right? I think those things, I mean, for when you're going after big time recruits, hey man, look, let me tell you something. This is Al Golden talking to the five-star defensive player. Let, let me explain something to you, okay? I just spent the last six years in the National Football League. 
I've been in the postseason multiple times. I just played in the Super Bowl, right? I know what it takes to get you there. I know what I was looking for at a line as a linebacker's coach. I know what we were looking for on defense. I I know the 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 technique. I know the attitude. I know the traits. Yep. I know all this stuff. I know how to develop you to be that kind of guy. Right. I mean that matters. I, I've always said this. It's it's one thing to say something. It's another thing to have a track record of proving it or have a track of experience. I mean, you, you can tell a guy all, you know all you want. Hey, look, we're you come here. We're going to throw the ball a lot. I promise you. Well, coach, you throw it ten times. You threw it ten times a game last year. Like, why am I? You know what I mean? But when you've thrown it 40 times, hey, we're going to throw the ball a lot. Yeah, you, yeah, Coach Leach, you're right. You are going to throw the ball a lot. You know what I mean? Like that, that having that that thing that you can point to say, hey, look, I've, I've been there, right? I've, I've been there. I, I, if Dylan McCullough is going to be able to say to any kid, hey, you want to be a Super Bowl champion? Hey, guess what? I, I coached a Super Bowl champion. Yeah. I know what it takes to get there. You know, we drafted a running back in the first round when I was coming out. Trust me, I know what we were looking for. I can get you there. Harry Heastan has been able to – that's part of the – I mean, why do you think Harry Heastan was able to have so much success recruiting? It began with the fact that he, had, he was an NFL coach. Then it start, became, you know, what he put in the NFL. And I would argue right. that Jeff Quinn benefited more from all the guys that Harry Heastan put in the NFL more than Harry Heastan did because his last two first-round picks were after he'd already left Notre Dame. Right, exactly. Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey didn't get there after that, Harry Heastan left. And they were having that success while right. Quinn was doing the recruiting. Right. right. I mean, yeah, right. Absolutely. So, you know, Quinn, after, after Harry left, Quinn was doing recruiting. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Right. When those guys were in the NFL having success, that's, right. a, that's what I was referring to. Yeah. Right. Right. So I, 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 I you know, there's, I think there's just a lot about it. Here, here's the one bad thing about this hire. And, and, and I'm, and I'm, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to get over this. Uh Oh, Al Golden caught a touchdown pass that ended up being a game winner against Notre Dame in nineteen ninety. Penn State, Penn State, yeah, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm still a little bitter about that. You're gonna ask him about that, aren't you? No, 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 probably no, not. You're, not go- you're not going down that road. No, no, but I'm just gonna be because I, I want to be bitter about it. I want to hang on to the bitterness. <laughs> you don't want him um, to have like a really good answer to like make you yeah, feel better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought about dropping it, you know, because I love Notre Dame and I, you know, wanted Notre Dame to win. But I tried to drop it, but you know, it was so cold that day that it just stuck in my hands. That's funny. Yeah, that's so, funny. That that's my that's my only issue. That's fair. That's fair. That's that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Do we want to go through and get some questions? Yeah, or we got some questions. Let's. We got some time. Let's get to some questions. Yeah, absolutely. Timeout, Tom. Does he still have to go through a background check? It would be nice to get him out on the recruiting trail as quickly as possible. What's well, they're not really out. Right on, they're not out on the road right now. Right. Right. So they can't be out on the road right now. So that's not an issue. Uh, so, but yeah, he's every coach has to go through a background hire at Notre Dame. Yes. And it's extensive. That's, that's not going to change. Right. That's extensive. Yep. Jojo, hey guys, how this whole thing unfolded. I'm curious why he would leave the NFL team just close to winning the Super Bowl. I'm not complaining. Okay, we kind of covered that already. Baby Huey, with the staff now in place, does the staff do a more geographic approach to recruiting or do they just go after their positions? It'll be a little bit of both. But it's always a good question because of the just because of the technology and the way things are now, as opposed to like 10, 20 years ago when they were very Mm -hmm. geographically 
situated. You know what I mean? Right. And, and they were hiring yeah. people specifically for that. You're allowed mm-hmm. to, I shouldn't say allowed. You're afforded more opportunity to get more guy, more coaches on more guys, if that makes sense to me. Right. I think, look, the reality is it's, it's always going to be a, 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 a group approach now. I mean, you're like you said, Vince, it's not going to just be one guy anymore. It's going to be a, it's going to be multiple people. It's the way it works is it's, it's a, it's a regional approach very early on when you get out on the road initially. You send these coaches to these regions for the most part. That's as far as it goes. After that, it's after that, it's all about yeah your position. I mean, right. it's just the way it is, and that's not going to change because Al Golden's here. That's a philosophy that you're coming into. It's not a philosophy that Al Golden's going to have any influence over. He's going to and now as a defensive coordinator, he's going to recruit defensive players. Now, does that mean that if you have ties to a region, you take advantage of that? Right. Absolutely. So, so, you know, you, for example, Al Washington has had success recruiting Georgia. Take advantage of that. So have him involved with other players, you know, maybe that aren't just defensive linemen. But at the end of the day, you're, you're still going to be recruiting your position. That's ultimately what what your what your job is going to be as a defensive as a, as as any position that you're going to coach. Joseph Sergi says, what is the significance of it being stated? He only signed a three year deal. I see. I look at it a different way. It's not only most, most Notre Dame coaches in the past have kind of been on one to two year contracts. So a three year contract is actually more stability than what you normally have. So that's, you know, I, I I I think the way you worded it, I think I would word it completely different. What's the significance of him signing a three year deal? Means there's some thought of some stabil- potential stability here for Notre Dame. So we have a super chat here too, Vince. I wanted to pull up for you. Excellent from Zach Martin. Thank you very much for the super chat, Zach. One thing he also brings from his experience as a young head coach at a big name program are the mistakes he made. Marcus Freeman can pick his brain a bit there too. Absolutely, yeah. that's one of the points I brought up earlier. I think having successes and failures is really important. It shapes you as who you are as a coach and who you are as a person. And he can relay that information and that experience to to Marcus Freeman. Abs- 100%. Right. No question about right. it. Matt D., if Freeman can keep this staff together for two to three years, Notre Dame has the potential to be special, especially if the 23 class continues to roll and we get Dante Moore and Carnell Tate. Yeah. No question. No yeah. question. I mean, I don't know if he's going to have a whole lot of say in that. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be, uh, look, I like the staff that Marcus Freeman's put together. And I don't know if like outside of Harry Heastan in, in, well, I'd say Harry Heastan and Dylan McCullough were the two big name hires, meaning like they were guys that, that have a, uh, already have a tremendous reputation as really strong, like best of the best coaches. You know, Chancey Stuckey doesn't have that reputation. Jared Parker doesn't have that reputation. Al Golden doesn't necessarily have that reputation anymore. Al Washington doesn't necessarily have that reputation. Brian Mason's not a guy that a lot of people outside the Midwest know about. But it's just as a collective, I think it's a really strong group with a lot of things in common that are important. All of them have reputations as being effective recruiters. The, the, all, I think all those things are important. You know, and I, and I think as a whole, again, the – the whole is as 
is really impressive. You know, the individual parts are all good. There's not one that I'm like, man, that's a bad hire. I mean, look, we talked about Jamarcus Shepard. Jamarcus Shepard was a guy I wanted at receivers coach. It's sure. fine. Yeah. Doesn't mean that Chancey Stuckey won't do a phenomenal job. I mean, I'm always going to be honest about, about those type of things. But when when each hire you look at, there's not a single hire they made where I'm like, I don't like that hire. That's a bad hire. And I'm going to be honest with you. I had very some negative view vibes on things. I was not optimistic about the running back hire. Was not optimistic they were going to make a strong hire there at all. I was nervous about the receiver coach situation. Ended up being pretty good. Uh, D line. Some of the names I heard thrown around for the D line job were very underwhelming, and made because and those are the hires that Brian Kelly would have. The, the guys that I was worried about them hiring were guys that I know hi, Brian Kelly would have made those hires in the past. Yeah, I, right. And that was part of my my nervousness was just like yeah, that's where exactly you, right. yeah, yeah, exactly right. And then every single time when I said to myself, like it was in the past, it was kind of like I'd say, yep, he's going to hire this guy. And a lot of the times that's who Brian Kelly would hire. Not always, but that's who he'd hire. He made some decent hires. You know, Lance Taylor was a very good hire and obviously Marcus Freeman. But it's just like, oh, he's going to hire this guy, isn't he? And that's a lot of times who would hire. Every single time I had it, man, I hope they don't hire that guy. Every single time I had that thought, that guy didn't get hired. It's the first time I can remember that happening in Notre Dame where you had multiple you know, changes. And, uh, you know, I think he hired really good coaches. I think he hired a staff that should work well together. That's a very important thing as well. I think this is a, I think this is a strong hire. I think this is a very strong hire. I, I think, you know, I look at it and I say, man, I, Vince, I just feel like this is a, this is a hire that you look at and say, I think this is going to work. And you look yeah. at some of the, the, the areas where a lot of these coaches are from Chancey Stuckey's from Georgia. It's important state for Notre Dame. Dylan McCullough and Al Washington are both from Ohio, as is Marcus Freeman and Mike Mickens. That's that's got to have some some impact on Notre Dame being able to recruit Ohio. They got to recruit Ohio better, right? I mean, it's a state they got to have more success in. It's Al too Golden close. Being, it's too close yeah. not to have success there. It's just, yeah, Al Golden being from New Jersey, like that's yeah. a state that Notre Dame's got to have more success in. That that you know that that dmv and then right above it in jersey and those are just areas where notre dame has to be more has has to have more success and you know i mean i I think those things matter you know and look it's nice to hire a guy from texas but the reality is hiring a guy just to recruit texas is not going to have the benefit for you as a guy from ohio or jersey because you're just never going to get a lot of dudes from texas i'd say hire a guy that's a great recruiter and then send him to texas you know it'd be it'd be my thing more so than anything but you know, and that's what you have Chad Bowden for and Dre Brown and guys like that. You know, the, let those guys be sort of those get on the road grinders and find names and then let the position coach it. It's a different era. And as you said, Vince, technology gives you like the reason you had regional coaches. This is why you did that back in the day is because you didn't have you didn't have film that you had. You, know, you could just exactly. send electronically. You didn't have rivals and 247 and, you know, all the Internet. I mean, you know what I mean? Like there is no, you went on the road, yeah. you sent coaches to regions and you went from high school to high school and you're collecting. I mean, you'd go back, you'd go back home with hundreds of VHS tapes or, or yep. even before then, you know, the, the film, the, the real, the, of, of the real, the real. Yeah. yeah. You know, and you had coaches that you liked and you had people in the region that you trusted and respected and they'd, Hey, you know, they got to look at this kid. You got to look and at that. That was a big one right you. there. Yeah. Right. Yep. It was. And, and so, you know, that's how you, you hear all these stories about, well, you know, this, I called my buddy down there and he said, man, we, we got this kid and you just got to take yep. a look at him. And, and it's about those relationships. 
And those relationships yeah. are formed with person to person. Yeah. Face I mean, to and face. you'd look at like the newspapers, no. who are the all state kids and you sure. know, all that kind of stuff. And who are the parade all Americans and all that kind of stuff. But you needed to have a coach that went down to Florida and just spent two weeks going to every high school in the state of Florida. Right. You know, and, and but you don't need to do that now. I mean, th- there's value to that. Right. Like to sure. go down there and sing the coaches, but it's not the, the way it used to be. Right. And that's why you kind of had to have regional recruiters. Now, with the the other thing, too, it wasn't always easy to travel back then. Exactly. Travel is so yeah. much more expedient now. And, and you know, you can you can hop on a private jet or you can hop on a commercial jet out of South Bend and head down to, to Miami and, and go see a kid if you need to or down to Dallas or out to L.A. So things have changed and, and, and it's, you know, coaches have caught up to that and they're doing it the right way. So I think those are the reasons why. You don't see as much. You don't see as much of that. Uh, you know the the true regional recruiting like you right. used to. Notre Dame did a lot of that early on under Kelly, which I hated. I, they it did made no sense to me. I remember that when he was hiring his staff, it was you know this guy's going to do this, this guy's going to do that. Like that was part of the profile of the coach that right. was coming in. It's a very you know? old school way of looking at it. Very, very. We got a couple super chats I want to get to before we get to the others. Matt D, thank you very much. It's been a while since I've been able to be here for a live show. Wanted to say thanks. Just throwing uh, out those top recruits. Mm-hmm. I think that was an earlier comment that he's referring to. Mm-hmm. But thank you very much, Matt. Really appreciate that. And then Sean S, given the current trajectory, staff, roster, recruiting, what are your exp- expectations <laughs> the next three seasons? I'm getting too excited. We're both excited. Don't get me wrong. I'm very excited about the future, but there are way too many question marks right now for me to say the current the current trajectory. That's easy. It's this way. I mean, it's up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I think the trajectory is up, way now, up. If you're asking me to predict national championships and all of those I will. things, yeah, I will. Ahead. I think Notre Dame's going to be a better program the next three years than they've been in the previous. Yeah, you know, as 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 a whole. Yeah, I do. I think the talent level is going to be better. I think the co- this coaching staff is better. There's there's nothing about this that makes me nervous about whether or not they're going to at least continue what they've been. Nothing, you know. And so, unless I'm just completely wrong about a lot of this, I I don't know. I'm 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 fine. I mean, look, just look at the recruiting. I mean, look at the classes yeah. they're bringing in. Yeah. So no, I mean, I understand your hesitation. And if if you were to ask me specifically, how's the 2022 team going to look? It's too early for me to do that because it's like we got to get into the specifics, but. When I'm predicting, when I'm projecting big picture, I have no problem saying I'm really excited about what this, the direction of this program. Because again, I have faith that Marcus Freeman is going to do a good job, and most importantly, he hired a, in my opinion, a really good staff. And we haven't even talked about a guy like James Laronitis, you know, and the role he's going to have, Chris Watt, Chris Watt and the role he's yeah. going to have on offense. Like those are other hires mm-hmm. that you know weren't full time hires or not full time, meaning like on field is a better way of saying it. They're, yeah, they're these weren't on field coaches. They're going to have a big impact. You say we know how are you gonna lose, you know, get over losing Nick Lazinski. I love Nick Lazinski. He's such a good dude, and I thought he did a great job at multiple roles. And yeah, it's a loss, but you got James Laronitis sitting right there. They're gonna be okay with guys that you know, people that can work with the linebackers, right? And and those are hires too that to me made made a lot of sense and and are gonna work for Notre Dame. And so I'm as excited as I've been about the trajectory of this program because again, he's inheriting a, a situation that was pretty good. And I think his his strengths are areas that were Kelly's weaknesses. I mean, one we knew about recruiting, another we knew about relationship building, the third we were unsure of. Can he put a staff together? I had no clue. But now that we've seen him put a staff together, that was the final piece for me. 
Yeah. Does this guy understand the importance of hiring great coaches? Is he going to go after great coaches? Cause Hey, early on Al Golden was not super like reaching out about this job. He was focused on his season. If Marcus Freeman was just kind of, well, you know, I, I don't know if I can wait this long or, or if Marcus Freeman would respond to the pressure of, Hey, why haven't you hired a guy? You know, and trust me, he was hearing it. He was hearing a lot of that, you know, you're right. Hey, you need to hurry up. It's is he, he's not doing this right. Oh yeah. And he heard all of it. And he was like, don't care. Cause he had a plan. I love and that. that plan ended up with a strong hire. Right. And you know, when he, when he needed that quickly, he acted quickly when he knew he could take his time. He took his time. Like D line. He had that quickly. Cause you had Isaiah Foskey and Jason Adam Miller was still in that window where they can leave. Right. Right. When Ellison left. And he, and he also knew that a coach that he wanted was in hot, was in big demand in right, Washington. Absolutely. So he knew he had that quickly. This was a little different situation. So the fact that he was able to juggle those different scenarios the way that he was, the fact that he was able to convince James Laronitis to come do what he did, the fact that he was able to convince Chris Watt to not be a full-time offensive line coach anymore yeah, because, and, and come yeah, back up and do that. Yeah. And, no question. You know, all those things. And now, look, let's be honest. Tommy move. Reese had a huge role in that, right? Like, Absolutely. That, I would say Tommy was Reese the- probably – because they were teammates – Sure, right? But he I mean, was a they, full-time offensive line coach at Tulane. Right. Like that's it's a big. I right. mean, it's a big deal. Now, he wasn't going to be back at Tulane, but there were there were going right. to be other people that, especially sure if Harry Eastman was going to push for him, that right. he would have had those opportunities. So, you know, I mean, the fact that they were able to put this staff together, I mean, this was the big thing for me. Is is, is this part of it? So I, I'm thrilled about it. Thrilled about it. Yeah, and I'm I'm as excited as I've been in a a long time for this one. I, I'm, I'm curious. On this next question, Brian, can you guys compare Freeman's first staff oh, to Kelly's first? It's not staff? even close. I, it's not even close. Uh, that's why I wanted to pull this one up before I had to go. I mean, Charlie Molnar was the offensive coordinator, and I don't even have to say anything else after that. <laughs> like there, there were some there were some good coaches on that staff. Don't get me wrong. Chuck Martin was a very good football coach. He wasn't right? on Ed the first Warner staff, was, though, was he? I thought he was. Didn't it t- I thought it took him – it took them a couple years to get him to come. Oh, look, you could be right. Um, I remember that being a thing. You could be right. No, he oh, came to Notre Dame in 2010. He, he was on the 2010 staff. Yeah. It, okay. That was at Cincinnati. He tried to get him to come oh, to Cincinnati, and he okay. wouldn't come to Cincinnati. Okay, yeah. maybe that's what it was. No, okay. he, 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 tur- he, t- he took the Notre Dame job. I like Chuck Martin. Right I think, he's a, great, I think yeah. he's a really good coach. You know, Ed like Warner him. was a solid – I mean, Tony Alford, keeping Tony Alford was a, a strong hire. You yes. know, Mike Denbrock was a good hire. Mike Elson was a Mike Elson got a lot better as he was at Notre Dame, you know. But like Tim Hinton, moving Tim Hinton to, to keeping having Tim Hinton as your running backs coach and moving Tony Alford to receivers was dumb. It's dumb, you know. Mike Denbrock was a good tight ends coach. That was a good hire. Bob Diaco was a good hire at defensive coordinator, but I don't. I wouldn't say Bob Diaco is a more proven coach than than Al Golden is. You know, Kerry Cooks was. Okay, early on, he had some recruiting misses. I say it's, it's a way better recruiting staff. Yeah, that that's staff. The big, that's the big part for yeah, me. Way better, but no, you you you've this is a much better. I mean, Tommy Reese, Charlie Molnar is not even a conversation. And I didn't like Charlie Molnar when he came over, and he was a freaking disaster as a coach and kind of a prick. Like I didn't like like he he was just not. You're talking about like guys that are good people. Charlie Molnar was not that guy. Yeah, and you know Tim Hinton. Was your running backs coach Tim Hinton versus Dylan McCullough? You know what I mean. Like uh, Tony Alford was not a. I mean, hey, look, here's the deal. Chancey Stuckey has a lot more coaching ex- experience at receiver than Tony Alford had at receiver when he, you know, was on Notre Dame staff in Fair. 2010. You know what I mean? So 
you know, that was misusing one of your best coaches. I mean, that was the thing about the about moving him to receivers. You're misusing one of your your most talented coaches. You're not you're not having him in a position where he's best suited. That was another thing that was dumb about that. Harry Heastan versus Ed Warner. I mean, that's a giant, that's, giant, yeah. giant upgrade, in my opinion. And that's not a knock on Ed Warner. Ed Warner did a solid job, but we saw the difference in offensive line play. I mean, we already saw what that looks like with what Ed Warner did two years. It's okay. And then immediately Harry Heastan shows up, despite having an injured Braxton Cave and Mike Golick Jr. in the starting lineup. They became an offensive line that was significantly better than the one the two previous years. I mean, think about it. they lost they lost Taylor Decker, they lost Trevor Robinson. Right. Braxton Cave got hurt late in 2011, and they went out the next year and were a significantly better offensive line, and without Michael Floyd at receiver and Jonas Gray at running back and things like that. So, I mean, offensively, it's it's an incredible upgrade. I mean, Mike Mike Dembrock was was good. I don't know if Jared Parker is going to be an upgrade over what Mike Dembrock was because Mike Dembrock was also a really good recruiter. But Mike was Coach Dembrock was a more proven coach at that time. Absolutely. So I mean that's a, that's the difference. But you know Jared Parker comes very highly recommended defensive line wise. I I think Al Washington now is better, than, better what Mike than Nelson was, was then. I agree. I agree. You know, Kerry uh, Cooks versus Mike Mickens. Give me, I mean, give me Mike Mickens any day of the week. Chuck Martin was a better coach than Chris O'Leary. That's not a knock on Chris O'Leary, but my. Mike Chuck Martin's a target football coach. Well, and he's a really can, good football coach. I mean, he was at Grand Valley forever as the head coach there. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. Gonna say right. that. I mean, it's almost not fair to Chris O'Leary to even compare. Right. Them I mean, if you look at where not... they were at the age of twenty six, Chris O'Leary is way ahead of where Chuck right. Martin was when he was twenty six. <laughs> right. You know, and I think Chris is what twenty seven now. You know what I mean? So, so I mean, it's it's not it's not a it's not saying like oh he's always going to be, but I mean if we're being fair. I mean that's that's I mean that's just kind of the yeah that's kind of the reality of it. I mean, you know, I mean, so I'm looking at it here when when uh when Chuck Martin was Chris Chris uh O'Leary's age, he was the linebackers coach at Wittenberg University where I coached. Yeah. And he was there 6 years before I got to Wittenberg. So, Chris O'Leary at the age of 26 was the second safeties coach at the University of Notre Dame. Right. But that was way that was I mean that was 15 years before he got to Notre Dame. You know, because Coach Martin was in his 40s, about 40 when he got to Notre Dame. So, again, he had a lot more experience. But at Absolutely. that time, he was a better coach at that time than Chris O'Leary was when he got hired. And that's now, I don't think that's going to be true down the road because I think Chris O'Leary's got a chance to be an outstanding football coach. But sure. we got to be honest Martin, about that. Chuck Martin has a heck of a resume. I mean, he just yeah. – he, he, yeah. yeah, especially when he came to Notre Dame. I mean, right. going from being a head so, coach of a national championship team – to a position coach. I mean, right. yeah, Notre Dame right. and Grand Valley. I get that, but still. I don't care. You, you look, you still win multiple national championships. Absolutely. And, and really had four national championships because he was also the defensive coordinator for, for Brian, Brian Kelly's Kelly. two championship teams. Right, right. So Chuck Martin was a – I mean, and he was, again, 14 years older, I believe, than Chris O'Leary was when he was hired. Chris, so Chris, again, O'Leary, I, Chris O'Leary is so young right now. Yeah. He's closer to my son's age than he is to my age. Okay, that's how young he is to me. That's yeah, okay. that's nuts. But so, so again, that, when we say that Chuck Martin's better than Chris O'Leary, that's not a knock on Chris O'Leary. It's just, no, not at all. The, the reality is, is Chuck Martin had way more experience. But yeah, I mean, everywhere else, you're like, I mean, Bob Diaco, Al Golden. At worst, that's a wash. I think Al Golden's going to be a better recruiter than Bob Diaco was. Sure, I think that's going to be true. So yeah, I, I mean, John, I think this is a a much much better coaching staff than that one was. I mean, I just some of my laugh at like Tim Tim Hinton versus Dylan McCullough. Really, 
Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, right. like, come on, come on. So anyway, that's a that's a good question, John. That's a really good question. Absolutely. All right. I think, I, I think have a bunch. We got stars, any more? Right. I think. Well, I, do we you. have any more super? Oh, it just I got a couple super oh, chats. Super I want chats, to get to, but then we're gonna more, yeah. we got to get out of here because I do gotta. Okay, gotta sounds good. Uh, from Bronx ND fan, thank you very very much for the super chat. Love to see Marcus Freeman not be intimidated bringing in Golden with his resume. Marcus Freeman is all about getting point. the best for his team. Look, That's good coaches good point. surround themselves with guys yeah. that are you know I, I want to say smarter yeah. than them, but that obviously you know what I mean by that. You want to surround yourself by good others, oh, just other smart coaches. Yes. Yeah. That's Absolutely. a great, you know what, Bronx ND? I did not even think about that. I, I honestly didn't even think about that. Like, you're a 35 year old head coach. You just brought in a guy that spent 10 years as a head coach who just coached in the Super Bowl, who coaches your side of the ball, right? Who's going to have some strong opinions. A weaker minded coach with less confidence yeah. in himself uh-huh. is probably not going to hire that guy, you know? And I didn't think about that. That's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah, I mean, that's – yeah, I mean, that says a lot about Marcus Freeman, right? I mean, and Al Washington is another guy. I mean, a year ago, Al Washington was was being offered the D coordinator job at Tennessee, and he turned it down. Right. You know, I mean, so there's a there's a lot of – there's a lot of – there's a lot of that. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of that. I I, I, I didn't think about that, and I love – I love the – I love that comment. I love when, when our listeners come up with stuff that I didn't think about. Like that, that's just like, it's like, man, we got some smart people in this chat. One thing yeah, I did want to get to Vince here before we go, please, just cause it's family. Mark Perez asked, how do you guys feel about Jaden Mickey? He's my little cousin and we are, and we're so excited for him. Hey, so are Notre Dame fans, especially on this channel, Mark. Yeah, I mean, buddy. look, I graded Jaden out as a, a four-star recruit, top 150 caliber player, guy that we think has got a chance to play. And we were talking about him in a recent show where I was, I think it might've been the show Sean and I were doing, but like, you listen to that kid talk as a very confident, you know, I think it was a Saturday show. We talked a little bit about Jaden. That's a very confident young man, you know, and he's a good football player played against great competition the last couple of years in, of high school. So uh, a lot of Notre Dame fans excited. And I, and I've said, I think Benjamin Morrison and Jaden Mickey are the best one, two, you know, combination of, of signees Notre Dame's had in several years. Right. You know, maybe you go back to the, the 16 class that had, that had th- three really good corners, Julian Love, Troy Pride, and Dante Vaughn. But as far as a one-two, this is one of the better ones that they've had in the last decade. So a lot of people excited about Jaden. So, yeah, thanks for asking that, Mark. I just wanted to get to that uh, event since he's you know, he's family. So we wanted, it. To, we wanted to get to that one. But we're all about That's going to do it for today's show, Vince. You want to take us out of here? Absolutely. Everybody, make sure, thank you for joining us today. Make sure you hit that like button, the, uh, the subscribe button, hit that notification bell, and share with your family and friends. We are uh, not that far away from spring practice starting, about a month away from spring practice kicking off. So we're excited about that. And uh, so make sure you stick around. We've got a lot more analysis, a lot more excitement coming. And if you're listening to us on the podcast, make sure you give us a five-star review and share with your friends and family. So without further ado, that's Brian. I'm Vince. Thank you for joining us on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.